Deadwood Soundwell. Not safe for work. Not safe for work. Not safe for work. Welcome to Not Safe for Network. I'm Biggs. I'm Brandon. And I'm Carl. Stranger Things. Two episodes to cover. What, four hours between the two episodes? Pretty close. It's pretty long. Yeah. Could have been three episodes, I think, very easily. I would have appreciated that a little bit more, but whatever. It's fine. Yeah, we just basically took it as two night movies when we watched it, our fam. I thought it was pretty good. The stuff that bothered me at the beginning of the first season didn't really reoccur. The Russian stuff I enjoyed. They had enough comedy going on in Russia as well as something that seems like it's going to be important next season. Stuff that, well, that and also stuff that was important for the final battle. What they were doing in Russia actually like tied into what was happening with the kids. Yeah. And then, of course, we get Papa. Dear Papa, dead, good riddance. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Yeah. God. It's one of those movie things. I understand why they do it, but it just annoys the shit out of me. Like, the sniper outside, like, guns down, like, all the doctors, and they're, like, all dead. They shoot him, like, square right in the chest, and he, like, lives for 10 minutes. Does this entire monologue, and it's like, oh. You know, this guy's been dead for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did enjoy that he's trying to gaslight her one more time for old time's sake, and she's just not having it, you know? Like, I, <laughs> I enjoyed that. It, that's actually a thing you would not see in the 80s. I got to say, like, there's certain ways in which this show, even though it's trying to drum up nostalgia for the 80s, there's ways in which it's not an 80s show. And people gaslighting you, they never resolve that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not a thing that they do back then. So I like that. This this is one of those things where I wish I hadn't read criticism on the show when I finished it because some of the stuff that I read was like, I guess I did as good of a job as I could with a pandemic. And it, all of a sudden I started to realize like almost every scene you see like two, maybe three people together, which is why they're all spread out. It's just because of pandemic reasons. And it worked for me until I heard that. And now it's just like in my head where it's just like, oh, God damn it. They just did this shit because of the pandemic. And I know that they need to, but I wish they hadn't. Like, hey. Don't point out the seams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've noticed that. Ever since I watched the Netflix show, The Bubble, I've noticed that a lot more like consciously. Yeah. Yeah. Also pointed out seams, but in a funnier way, I think. Over the course of four hours, like this last two episodes of Stranger <laughs> Things. Thanks, Judd Apatow. <laughs> um, and then, of course, we get the boys running in to try and deal with Vecna. The one thing that I would put against it is like, if you actually wanted to surprise me in that, don't have Eddie die. Because they do that every season. They bring in a character who might as well have a Star Trek red shirt on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we're going to make every effort to make you love this character so we can take him off the board. And it worked with Eddie. I really liked him. But then when he's gone, I was just like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, we knew that this guy was limited series. He was fucked from the very start. I also like how ambiguity reigns at the end of that episode because they win, but they don't win. You know, like the portal's open. Open, the but, shit 
is set up for the next season. Max is in a coma, so it's like this whole nether, like, is it full? It's not quite fully open, but shit's going to be coming through, like, shit's going to get real. Yeah, and I think Seven, the way she was able to resurrect Max, that's probably a power she got from Vecna, because I think that works both ways, right? Like, he was getting power from her, so I think she managed to get power from him. And that's probably not a positive power to have on the whole, you know? Yeah. Anyway, I enjoyed the season. I'm looking forward to the next. My suggestion for for season five, which will be the last season, is just do it all at once. Don't do this. No, do it week by week. Do- I would, no, that that would be the ultimate yeah. thing. But I Netflix doesn't do that, Every which they should. Week. I think they're going to have to. Everybody sh- else in streaming has picked up on that. Every nine days. So it's a different day of the week each week. <laughs> they just go way in the opposite direction. It comes out Wednesday, then the following Friday, then a Sunday. A week after the next Monday. That sounds like a sound strategy, Netflix. We will see you again never. <laughs> They're one show that's got heat left. Well, I'm looking forward to the series finale coming out so that I can just watch that. <laughs> of course you are. And it'll be bad so that you can be, revel in it. Well, then it'll be, then I'll have, I'll get to add a show to my list that, stra- that Game of Thrones is on. <laughs> <laughs> that list is only one show long so far. <laughs> Where you just watched the last episode. I guess episode. I could still watch just the final episode of The Sopranos. Yeah, you could do and that. And just the final episode of Better Call Saul. And just the final episode of Breaking Bad to go along with that. Yeah, Better Call Saul is coming back as we're recording. It's on TV right now. So Does El Camino count as the final episode of Breaking Bad? No, no, it's different. <laughs> like Walter's only in a flashback, for example. So it's very much Jesse's story. Yeah. So. It's too bad I had that ex-girlfriend that made me watch all that Grey's Anatomy because I could have watched just the series finale of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> Is it over? I Not assumed yet. it was still I don't going. Think it's, it's I still don't going. think it's still going. I assume Grey's it's, Anatomy is going to outlive me, it's, honestly. I think it's it's slowly grinding to a halt, but it is That doesn't going. mean it's stopping, though. <laughs> no, no. It's, I think it has got maybe one or two at the most, it's got one or two more seats. All right. For, that's my, that's my, I mean, I'm pretty prediction. sure people thought that 10 years ago. <laughs> there was, well, they always renewed it so quickly that there was, and they would renew it for like four more. And you then know, they would, nuts. and then three years later, they'd renew it for four more. That show's been on so long that after it had this long, successful run, it had a spinoff that ran for over 100 episodes and ended. And then it's still been going like eight or nine years after that's over. And it's got uh, Joe Daly from Wings. Like he's the the center (laughs) of it. I mean, I still didn't watch it, but I was just like, oh, there's Joe Daly. And then just. You know, Tim Daly. Sorry, Tim, Tim Daly. Daly. Joe is his character in uh, Wings. Like the, the main guy? Yeah. One of the mains, yeah. Yeah, because you got Joe and Brian, right? Yeah. Or, the or are you talking about the Grey's Anatomy spin? No, I'm talking about Wings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's Joe and Brian. The brothers. And Helen, really. It's kind of a three-hander. Right. Yeah. Helen. She used to be fat, just like Monica. And, but she still plays the cello, so that's her defining characteristic she's got two she She used to be fat and she plays the cello and then they fill in everything else from episode to episode (laughs) i had a big crush on helen oh yeah yeah, dude yeah i mean because we both played the cello i think helen i liked her because i don't know she was hot (laughs) her sister was hot too and her sister was a redhead alex yeah who came in later because they were like now that we've 
given Helen not to... the female pilot. That's Alex, right? Oh wait, I'm you're right. You're talking the about redhead. the other redhead. That's right. Like the bright red haired. Yeah, redhead. who's like kind of chaotic. Is yeah, it and like she kind of hooks or up something? with Brian a bunch. Her and Brian fool around a bit, I think. Dude, I never thought this was going to become a Wings recap <laughs> podcast. I, went, I actually uh, did a I did a binge of Wings a few years ago. How's it hold up? Uh, terribly. <laughs> That's I'm very um, in shocked. In particular, when I watched it as a kid, I thought that the cab driver that is played Antonio. by Antonio, Antonio I thought he was Tony Shalhoub. He was I thought he was a great character. And then watching it again as an adult, I'm just like. This guy is just like pure cringe. Like, yeah. It's just so <laughs> offensive to my eyes. <laughs> uh, so Tony Shalhoub was brought on there because the first episode he was in, he plays a waiter. I think he's playing the same character, but he's a waiter in the episode. And they got tons and tons of phone calls for the show that they love that character. And so they were like having problems with ratings. So they were like, let's just bring him into the show. And so they have him become a cab driver for the show because it's like it has to be something that deals with the airport that it's centered at. Right. Yeah. Because they very rarely leave the airport. They only leave the airport to go to Joe and Brian's house. That's Pretty much. It. Yeah. <laughs> or much. or, uh, or be Helen's, in the cab or, or Helen's house pa- which, or, or in the plane. Right. Yes, the plane. Yeah, totally. Or sometimes they go to Helen's house, but Rarely you can totally plane, tell though. it's Joe and Brian's house. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they just slightly do the set different. They like give her different colored curtains, things like that. The only other one was they went to Roy's house once with that. I think that's when they were playing a <clears throat> trivial pursuit. Does it look like the hangar? <laughs> it kind of works as like, it's almost like the set is like a double wide trailer set because mm-hmm. you've got like one half of the set is the counter, the plane ticket counter. And then the other half of the main set is the deli counter. And they just kind of fit right next to each other. And it's believable. This small, tiny little airport. And the hangar, you can tell that's when they always do video. Like the hangar stuff is never live. It's a I, I spotted set. that because yeah. I saw it when I was older and I was like, oh, they're not doing this part live. They're doing this on video. That's fascinating. Like, that's fascinating. Because it's too big. Yeah. You and know. So they're like shooting half the scenes or a third of the scenes pre-taped, and then they're doing two-thirds of the scenes live I mean, for technically, a studio audience. I mean, technically, what they're probably doing is they're doing all the hangar scenes in a couple of weeks before they even start the season, because then they do the live <laughs> scenes, and well, then they play the live ahead. scenes for the audience so that they can track the story, and then they start the next scene. I don't know about that. Cause, they do. But they do. I don't know how far ahead. They don't write whole seasons out before they start filming. They do at least half Not seasons. Not when they got 22. They episodes. do at least half seasons, dude. Yeah, because like, they would always take a big break. But then break what are they going to do? Five, they work five days a week, but the show's only no, live no, no. once they a week. They work like seven days a right, week, Right, but dude. the show's only live once because they're filming the stuff during the rest of the week. Yeah. So they're filming throughout no, the season. No, I think they film... The stuff at the hangar all like all at once in one big chunk. They gotta do reshoots, man. They're going back to that hangar all the time. No way. No way. I doubt it. They're spending so much time in that hangar all year long. The hangar stuff is like <laughs> never all that important. It's usually like but it just uh, show, it it's showcase all of Lowell's Lowell's biggest that's, that's what I was gonna say. It's usually like Lowell's <laughs> physical stuff is done in the hangar. Lowell's like an important part of the show, dude. He is. It's not stuff you have to rewrite. <laughs> like Lowell is so nonsensical with everything. You can have something that doesn't line up and he's continuity like and it's fine because he's insane. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
<laughs> like he's not in his right mind. I just realized in my head that Wings is basically the bones of a taxi in an airport. Okay, well, let me go further. You realize who produced Wings and Taxi and Shears for that matter. It's all it's those three guys, dude. It's James yeah. and Les Burroughs and uh, uh, James L. Brooks. That makes sense. It's the James and the Burroughs and the one guy who crosses over onto both. Well, yeah. no wonder they're all the same. But I mean, like show. Tony Shalhoub, you could do, you could tie in like <laughs> is basically uh, uh, Andy Kaufman's character. Kinda, yeah, and but then, way more grounded than than uh, Tony Kaufman. Tony Kaufman, Andy, Andy Kaufman. Kaufman. Kaufman was like the eccentric outsider and tony shalhoub is like the insecure anxiety ridden pity me sad sack type i would argue the closest analog to him that i can think of in another show is ted on scrubs ted the lawyer you always say that's like i'm gonna pick it up i saw enough scrubs to know like i don't want to even remember scrubs (laughs) (laughs) well all i'm saying is that there these characters exist to be like always the butt of the joke and like always sad and mopey and like the joke is that they're always sad and like suicide is like treated humorously because they're just so sad you know what they kind of did with joe now that i'm thinking about it when they started the show joe was anal retentive but he was also kind of a sad sack and then when they decided to put him with helen they have Antonio on the show and then Antonio takes all the sad sack stuff and then amplifies it. And then Joe just becomes anal retentive, but then also gets to do the relationship stuff and they take out the sad sack stuff, right? Yeah. The lead shouldn't be a sad sack ever, unless that's the whole point of it. Right. When you want your lead to be likable and charismatic, they can't be a sad sack. It It's not. Or it's you do the thing where everybody supreme... says they're a sad sack, mm. but you don't really see it. You know what I mean? Like Peter Parker, they always say is a sad sack, but like he's always dating like knockout women all the time. And it's like (laughs) he's juggling three girls at the same time. Yeah, it's like you got a lot of chaos, but like you seem to be enjoying some of this chaos. (laughs) Yeah, the the whole thing with Spider-Man is that it just never lasts. He always loses all of it and is eventually back to square one. Yeah, they even managed to do it with Mary Jane because of our old friend Mephisto. And our old friend Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is Mephisto. <laughs> well, Doctor Strange helps him in after Civil War. Doctor Strange helps him erase all everybody's memory of him at the end of No Way Home. Spe- okay. And he loses Mary Jane in and, the process because she doesn't okay. read We're talking about different things. You're talking about <clears throat> MCU. I'm talking about and, comics. No, but I'm saying that in both of them, it's the same thing. He loses Mary Jane. I'm just saying it. He does, but he lo- in the comics, he loses Mary Jane because of Mephisto. Yes, And all Doctor Strange does is cast a spell so that everybody forgets that he revealed his identity. That's it. Right. Everybody still knows him. But he, they just, not as his, they're not his friend anymore. Neither no, they, they are in the comics. But I'm saying. Mephisto change, changes. It's an equal loss in the movie and the comic book. It's an advantage in the comic book what Doctor Strange does for him. Mephisto is the one who fucks him. Yes. And the equivalent of Mephisto in the comics is Doctor Strange in the movies. I don't give a shit about Doctor Strange in the comics. Okay. Doctor Strange in the comics, not relevant. All right. I thought you were trying to say these are equal, and I was like, they are not. I'm saying Doctor (laughs) Strange is the comic book equivalent of Mephisto as far as Superman losing Mary Jane go. That's Superman. Spider-Man. <laughs> okay. Spitterman. Spitterman. Scott J. Spitterman. Yeah. He, uh, he even like gives a little wink. 
like a mischievous Mephisto wink in the movie, doesn't he? Pretty sure I Doctor Strange. A... Yeah. Yeah. With the third dude, eye. Dude, that guy's sinister. With the third even eye. The good gross, one. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> even like even the good one is like not a good one. Yeah. That's kind of the point though, isn't it? <clears throat> He's a douche in all times. You know what's lines. funny is like we've spent But he decides to not these... kill a girl in one timeline. <laughs> That's I, why yeah. he's the best one. Mephisto watch. It feels like the first three phases of Marvel have been copraganda compared to this new phase because a lot of what's going on, I think, in these movies is like knocking all of our heroes kind of down a few pegs and being like, you fuck shit up more than you do good. And that's kind of not even remotely the main point of Thor Love and Thunder, but there is stuff that is addressed in that way, like gods not being good. Gods are, we learned one of the lessons we learned from Thor Love and Thunder. This will be the first point. I don't know why it's a terrible first point. Gods are kind of shit. Like, even the good ones don't do anything, right? I think Thor stands aside them only because he learned his lesson in the first Thor. Like, because of that, he stands above the rest of them, which is kind of how they have it in the comics as well. Like, he agrees with Gore that the gods are arrogant and sees the point that Gore has, but also he doesn't want him continuing to kill gods, and he wants gods to be better. We also have seen now multiple occasions of the bad guys winning at the very end, and the good guys being like, okay, you win, but is this really what you want? And then the bad guy at the very last second making the correct quote-unquote decision for themselves. I like that because at least it's not as (laughs) well-trod. It's less, yeah. No, this is uh, an interesting addition to the MCU. Not surprised that it's one of the most divisive. Not surprised at all after having now having seen it. I'm surprised at how divisive it is. I was going to say. And then I started talking to people in the world and realizing like this isn't as hated as the critics and the people online. This is just like a select amount of people that really truly hated this movie. What's yeah. funny is that a lot of the online comments I've seen have had no have not said any arguments really as to why they're what their criticisms specifically are. And yet on watching it, I have plenty of things to say that will probably sound like criticisms, even though I, I did enjoy it. I it's have criticisms fun. of it and I loved it. I would recommend yeah. it. But uh, my main criticism is the first act in particular, he's balancing a lot of tones and he drops the balance. It doesn't quite work. And then I, f- and it comes off like- really campy. I, I think. Well, I'm, I think I'm okay. I'm point. okay with the campy. Campy, I, I like, think, was yeah. one of the goals. Yeah. So you don't get hard you don't get goats that are like ah, constantly. So those if you're not trying oh to my go, God, I, I laughed every time. Every yeah, time. Every single time. I at least chuckled with the goats because it was pretty great. Those goats are pretty great. <laughs> yeah. And they're a divisive element, though. Because, oh, I get it. I, I understood and, that some people were going to hate the goats. Well, and that's <laughs> the thing is like a lot of the stuff here that is that happens in this movie is like, okay, Taika Waititi made some choices here. And 
you might agree with them and you might not agree with them. Like it, that's just kind of what it comes down to is he took swings. They can be kind of shocking. Like the splits that, that split the John kick Van was a decision. I don't know if it landed all that well with me, to be honest, but what really landed incredibly well with me was star Lord and Drax doing the like, Oh, what the fuck is this guy? Like exactly what He's my reaction, <laughs> they gave me my own reaction that I genuinely had at that scene they reflected that in the movie like again he knew that people were gonna see that scene and be like what the fuck is happening here and this he is didn't something care. I wanted, and I respect that this is something I wanted to address too um, a lot of people are criticizing that they're saying like take IYTD doesn't give any moments to reflect on things and so the characters go through tragedy but then they just go to the joke and <laughs> yeah, that's I why the say, death of the daughter at the opening scene I'm like wait Waiting for that to be undercut never gets undercut. Yeah, and I, I felt all of that. And I would also say that, like in particular, we're we're talking about Thor here, right? We watched him grieve through two movies before Take I gets it. Number one, number two, and this is one that I feel personally like I go to humor when I'm at my lowest fucking moments, like when I'm grieving, which I've done a lot over the last couple of years. Like I go to fucking dark ass humor. That's how I handle it. And I think Take I Waititi goes to kind of like distant humor you know what i mean like that that's what thor is going through and i've noticed that is a thread in a lot of ytd's movies is his characters go through trauma but they like kind of joke around it and it's not that they don't feel it it's just like they deflect those feelings a lot of the time and so i think he's putting a, a personal thing on there i feel like this is probably something take ytd does in his personal life because it appears so many times usually when you have an auteur show you something over and over and over again it means it's really important to him right like it's usually some key to their psychology i think and so i identify with that i mean we had one episode of this show where i made two very bad fucking dark jokes and had to cut them and post and you guys look shocked when I said them and then I was just like oh yeah like I had just had my dog die that day and I just uh-huh. fucking I, I just That's did right. not know how to get through shit and uh it, it happens, man. Like, uh, and I think that they do a good job of showing that. But if you don't feel that way, you may not necessarily understand that. So I see where the criticisms lie, but I also think they're a little <clears throat> invalid. Yeah, well, and I mean, a lot of them are just like inaccurate in that they say their extreme comment. Taika Waititi never lets you get through a moment without undercutting it with humor. And that's just not factually true. Because there's plenty of moments that he doesn't undercut with humor, you know, yeah. there's plenty of them. <laughs> it's just, they just are. And, you know, different things make different people feel different things too. You know, like I, I've seen criticisms that Hemsworth is kind of, as Thor has been kind of reduced to this himbo. They're calling him a himbo. I mean, he's been that for a while. <laughs> I think, well, but I think they're saying that it's getting more extreme maybe. Yeah, sure. And I'm all about it. I thought he was. Like, I I don't know. I I've seen a lot the, of growth his, in that character, though. Like it's. I think it's in his tone more than anything. It's not even necessarily that his character actually is a himbo. It's that he like talks like one, kind of. You know, and he does, and it's pleasant and it's likable, and I don't understand why that needs to be negative. You know, some people are just taking a observation about a movie and then just deciding that that's good or that that's bad, which is really them saying, I like that sort of thing. I dislike that sort of thing. So again, people turning personal 
opinions into overall judgment. Um, I think Amanda and I, our favorite part of this movie was the love triangle that's in it. And I do not mean Thor <laughs> and Jane and somebody else. It is Thor, Mjolnir, and Stormbreaker. Yes. And honestly, my favorite thing about it is the way in which they show Stormbreaker jealous is just clearly a guy laying under the camera, moving the fucking axe in a circle <laughs> towards him. Like that shit is like, it's even funnier to me that it's this giant big budget movie. And it's like the most low grade special effect. And I fucking the, love the green- it screen guy in a green suit moving it yeah just walking over in a circle to it it's so fucking funny it's this inanimate object but it's even like it's steering the ship and he goes up to talk to it on the ship and try and make it right and it's clearly not wanting to listen to him and just doing the thing that it needs to do and and like getting the tunnel vision i'm just like this all tracks and it's hilarious What, though, that raises the, this question, are these weapons sentient? I think our answer is yes. <laughs> in the in the comics, Molnir is definitely sentient. And I don't know is about Is it an Stormbreak. artificial intelligence, or is it like a soul trapped inside the thing? Or? See, it was a... It like was a it, collapsed star that was centered into a hammer by the forge of this dwarf. Yes. But I think it's like probably the nature of the enchantment on it that gives it a personality, right? It's like in D&D, some weapons will change your personality if you pick them up. I think it's that kind of thing, which exists in in Norse mythology. Well, no, but these are creatures. These aren't, this is not an example though of a, of the weapon changing the mood of the, or the, I'm just saying, but they have like a personality. These are weapons that like straight up have feelings and act on them. Right. But specifically, I think Stormbreaker has feelings. Thing that I've noticed or that I, I read about or listened to about on something was that, I mean, Stormbreaker is part Groot. Yes. Yes. So that organic component part of, teenage group i mean mjolnir's also got a, a wooden handle so it's also got but an organic it, component but is too. it a groot alien handle probably not but it's <laughs> never been expressively so, not a groot handle and the other thing <laughs> we don't know what the dwarf I is up to in his spare time one of the things like organic. when he plants stormbreaker like he's basically like giving up and he like plants stormbreaker in the dirt like when he pulls him back out it actually had grown roots yeah, yeah i noticed that's right. that yeah i noticed that too and then they came off pretty fast or or like shrank back in or whatever they're capable of doing that is a long time on on that <laughs> weapon but it had to be done i I also love that Mjolnir whenever Jane Foster throws it. Like, it acts differently in the comics when Jane Foster Thor does it. But they do it differently in this, and I enjoyed that, where the hammer just splits apart and then reforms again. It's like I a thought, shotgun. Yeah, I thought that was really cool, the way they did that. Like, I enjoyed that. Okay, here's my next major criticism of the movie. I feel like Taika Waititi was being a bit self-indulgent by giving himself three Korg monologues <laughs> and a bunch of, like, and just was like, oh, Korg's gonna just be there throughout the whole movie. And we're gonna give him a death but then that death is going to instantly not matter and Korg never dies and Korg is forever around and talking just throughout the whole movie (coughs) I could have done with about 80% less Korg in this movie and I'm also just kind of not in general myself a fan of the monologue exposition dump a la the tale of Jane Foster. Well, those three stories that they told, even though like I did appreciate the 
exposition of all three. Honestly, I did appreciate it, but I didn't like it told the way that it was told by Korg. And I also don't like it when Michael Pena does it in Ant-Man. And that reminded me of that. Okay. I'm going to say you might be on Carl Island here. It's possible. uh, People love Michael Pena's monologues. Yeah, that's number one. However people feel about the Korg monologues. (sighs) You're the only person I've heard express that about Michael Pena. (laughs) I would say the other thing is like, I agree with you. It is self-indulgent, but like I enjoyed the self indulgence like i really liked it and i thought that the way that they showed jane and thor breaking up i don't know it just totally worked for me like just how that relationship just slowly is dying it on was the vine. fun having a little 15 minute rom-com but it also led to the uneven balance of the yes. first third of the movie it does juggling all a... these plates see this is the interesting thing about it i like all of the parts yes i just recognize that it was it messily was totally handled. it was a it was a you're, we were kind of slopping around from one thing to the other and I liked all of the individual components they just fit together so awkwardly it was like they were a Voltron where pieces were left in the sun and they don't <laughs> quite go together like they should and, but you know you have the whole Voltron well, there but also <laughs> like maybe it was like your little brother put it together wrong yeah there's enough pieces where like you can't quite figure out well this I know this piece doesn't go here but i can't figure out where it actually does go and like you realize that in order to like fix it you would have to completely disassemble it and then oh wait maybe there's pieces from that other toy over there (laughs) mixed in (laughs) it's kind of like having a and even with the guardians of the galaxy scenes it does kind of feel like it's a incomplete puzzle with too many pieces including pieces from other puzzles that's an awkward I, metaphor I do but... <laughs> want to say about the Guardians of the Galaxy thing Peter Quill who's really the only one we get a lot of like everybody yep. else is sort yeah. of in the background but we only really get Peter <laughs> Quill talking I did like I did does it look like Peter Quill's been hitting the malt liquor a little bit, a little bit. like he, yeah we uh, he's all of us when we left we're like yeah he doesn't look good he doesn't look good at all and I don't know if that's just really good acting because he's like that's where he would be at this point or if it's like Chris Pratt is just like sad sack because he said a lot of stupid shit online and now he's like regretting everybody starting to hate him well James Gunn is 100% behind him still to this day he's loyal to him which I appreciate because he wouldn't be back in the Guardians directing him if it wasn't for all of them backing him up so yeah he would be a fucking hypocrite to not support them wholeheartedly if we're being really real here though it's the fans more than anything the fans were so mad about the Guardians thing and just continuously mad and James Gunn handled taking responsibility the right way to where Bob Iger was willing to talk to him a year later and then hash it out with him I think it's important that he gets support from those people but it didn't help in the moment I don't think I think it did because you can replace a Terrence Howard with a Don Cheadle one guy in a minor role but you can't replace Karen Gillan and Zoe Saldana and fucking Dave Batista yes. and fucking yeah. you can't replace five six leads the problem is all those people you were under contracts so no matter what they were doing it I like know, i mean man. dave batista was like this is bullshit and as soon as my contract's up i'm leaving marvel like that's what he kept saying 
and like he's still insisting that he's gonna leave Marvel but like that's the point he was like after this contract is up because they're fucking ironclad dude they're still trapped in those contracts until they do Guardians 3 well they finished Guardians 3 it's wrapped right but I mean we haven't seen it yet that's all that I'm saying and uh, I have a feeling that they filmed these two movies overlapped and they like took advantage of that to film scenes together because you know that Thor's gonna show up at the beginning of Guardians 3 right because it's gonna have their entanglement it's gonna start with their going their separate ways I don't know that I guarantee you Thor cameo at the beginning. I don't know that just because like wanna, they're also doing the Christmas special at the yeah, same do you time. Wanna, but and that's do you wanna, a lot. Do you want a, a hint as to why it might be? Why? Because I read a thing where Taika Waititi said, one of the reasons I brought those goats in was because I was going to saddle James Gunn with them. <laughs> <laughs> like that's part but of that, part that of can't just be I'm, like an off it's joke not, that, that it's he part does. of the point of the existence okay. of the goats is to <laughs> prank James Gunn. So that's amazing. I love it. I also love the part where what does he say that freaks the goats out? It's something about meat. Yeah, we'll like boil them down and for their meat and then they just stop screaming <laughs> it's like, oh. It's like, oh. and then he's just like oh sorry i'm like no 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 it's working it's working <laughs> let it sit dude let it, it was sit so, Thor. it was so incredible because they scream so much at the beginning he just does not let off the pedal with the screaming and then it's like every 15 minutes ah! yeah it was fun to see and i and like the guys were saying and accept this gift no backsies <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, just fun little stuff. That was all fun stuff. That was all really good. Yeah, the gift giving is next level bad in this movie because also Thor gifts the Guardians of the Galaxy their own ship, right? <laughs> yeah. So let's see. Uh, let's talk about the city. The uh, New the, Asgard. Uh, no, no, no. The big, the city of the gods. What is it called? New Asgard. No, of the gods, where all oh, the I don't gods know what are. the city is. It's called Omnipotent City. That's what it's called. Omnipotent City, I believe, is what it was called. Yeah, yeah. That sounds. And right. uh, all of the different gods of the universe, or let's say big ones, like the big major top ones. Like there are minor gods, but if you, it's it's kind of an invite only type place. And lording over all of those gods at the top is that Russell. Crow with a bad Greek accent. I fucking love it. So apparently, by the way, apparently, according to the Weekly Planet Boys, Russell Crowe is actually doing a very specific parody of an Australian style thing that they used to do back in the 60s and the 70s. So like, again, this decision that he made to do what he's doing, very deliberate. Oh, dude, I love it. I, I wouldn't have yeah. it any other way. Way funnier than actually committing to a Greek accent and learning it and learning how to say it. Like, way funnier the way he's doing it. He's, that's the thing. Like, for this movie, that's what I want. It works. Yeah. yeah. The only serious person you have who's, like, utterly serious, like, deadly serious in this is Christian Bale. And I wouldn't have that any other way because yeah. he's not great at comedy, that Christian Bale. So, like, <laughs> keep him grounded, you know? Yeah. yeah. So Even in- when he laughs, it is unsettling. Yeah. Yeah. So in Omnipotent City, there is one moment that stuck out to me. And the characters do address it, sort of. And then they go right, immediately move right past it. Is it Thor's ass? No, it's the fact that they're going to announce the results of the bet that a bunch of gods made over who can get more sacrifices in their name. So while we've got like 
the Avengers teaming up to deal with this threat of Thanos. There's a bunch of fucking mini, th- like, Thanoses just, like, playing games with souls. These are his, like, fellow gods. That's played as a joke in the movie, but the implications of it in the world of the MCU where not everything is a joke and these lives are in this world very real and like we're supposed to care about individual lives that's a huge thing in the just the last movie that we watched one life is worth saving (laughs) see what i hear with this is a big fuck you to like organize religion and i kind of love it no no your gods are inadequate like they're either seeing suffering in the world and they're ignoring it or they're actively making it worse kind of love it it's and you're right you're right i mean it's very the boys the gods of this world world are the superheroes of the boys or the gods of say stargate where you know all the gods of stargate the egyptian gods and the and the norse gods are all aliens pretending to be gods we had such a great hiding behind their secret technology stargate (laughs) (laughs) i just brought up the number one star franchise of all time that's all star search (laughs) no star star is born not star is born Mm -hmm. oh star trek the sg1 the the atlantis ah give me a start the go give me star trek enterprise any day (laughs) it's been a long road and everybody (laughs) shut off their ipods so is the mco also third major criticism god way too goddamn much guns and roses this time dude that i'm a hundred percent on board guns and roses dude could have used without any guns and roses were there four different guns and roses songs in this three i heard okay three yeah i think it was four where they played almost the entire song and then two instrumental versions of other songs. So there were there were literally they hid, six. They hid instrumental versions in the movie. Yeah. Now I did appreciate them turning the MCU theme song into like an 80s hair metal ballad at the beginning, like during the opening credits uh, after the gore scene when the actual credits started rolling. They've already put Miss Marvel, by the way, they've already put her into the Marvel title montage that's inside the name and i was like hey there's miss marvel good to see you she's pretty great well let's move on from thor love and thunder and go on to the boys we are really gonna just brush past christian bale like that i already addressed christian anything. bale like we twice like you did a whole him. deep dive on christian bale i did yeah oh, did <laughs> what last week yeah, yeah i talked about the comic version and his motivations and i feel like the motivations are the same in this movie if, if you want to go back to the episode um, there is not well, a god i will bomb, say but... i feel like i mean there kind of is it's not a bomb per se it's a wish they use god by the way fate is exactly like it is in the comics destiny or good job infinity fate when they go to fate when he goes to make the wish at fate uh eternity oh, eternity. It eternity it's eternity yeah. that's what it is all it's right regardless eternity. like picture perfect Looks this fantastic. Exact, exactly what Looks they do fantastic. in the comics absolutely yeah um and instead of like setting up see actually i think the movie version is a little bit tighter than like a god bomb that's stupid <laughs> god bomb no you make a you do the wish you do a Thanos snap with the making a wish to eternity. Sure. Well, he has a God. So a God of bombs makes a God bomb that will kill gods throughout all points of the (laughs) Uh, timeline. The God of bombs. Yes. It's done tongue in cheek, which is why I wasn't surprised that take I went to. And then Gore, the God butcher becomes Gore, the God of God butchers. Like when he returns in the things. And then he has to kill himself. Dang. But he never does because hubris. Yeah. You know? So, uh, uh, I feel like they. This movie was one of the shorter uh, Marvel movies. 
place. I actually could have used a little bit longer of a scene opening scene with Gore. I would have liked to see him in a thriving world and then watch the world sort of waste. I wanted to see him lose all of his fellow followers when it's picks up it's just the two of them left i think they should have gone back a little bit farther and maybe you know let's add a little bit more to this movie let's flesh that out a little bit more i would have liked to see um a little bit more of his actual path of destruction instead of just like them saying gods are being butchered all over here's like some quick flashes of tv screens or whatever screenshots of butchered gods that we barely get to look at would have liked that actually fleshed out a little bit i could have used more time with gore i think because i really liked him as a character i wanted more of him with the kids i actually wanted him to show up when thor was talking to the kids well don't worry because i've heard that there's a waititi cut of this movie <laughs> that's four hours YTD long cut. and there's <laughs> a part where we see jane foster standing on a dock in Jody new foster? asgard no no jane foster jane fonda and and they're like they're playing <laughs> this big iris song <laughs> in slow motion as like waves crash up it's gonna be great who can say when is that the song that plays in the movie I think it's like sail away, yeah, 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 sail Orinoco away, flow, Enya, because it's it's take IYT. I know that shit. Different. I know Enya because my mom used to listen to Enya when I was. I a know kid. Enya because of Crystal Light commercials. <laughs> <laughs> well, your relationship with Enya is shallower than mine. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it's incredibly shallow, but equally as passionate because I don't give a shit about Enya. But I well, do think that song is like it. It's just historically relevant orinoco flow it's called i think it's like when you talk about that style of music it's definitely relevant it's i think it's relevant like it's kind of it's kind of a a, a forebearer for it's new age new age yes that's what i was trying to think of but i think okay like i would see enya next to like vangelis on people's record shelves back in the day i don't even know them they must not have a crystal oh you don't know vangelis no (laughs) you never saw blade runner yeah it was a long time ago so soundtrack the whole soundtrack was vangelis that's vangelis okay that's the guy oh that was the guy we were talking about a couple weeks ago yeah Yeah. way to drop that ball there buster once we decided to not do news i immediately tried to forget about all the news we've ever talked (laughs) about by the way we lost a bunch of mobster actors Yeah, we don't need to get into that. <laughs> Let's talk about the boys. I know you guys want to gush about the oh, boys. Oh, boy. What the fuck? They can't do more than another season, right? I think they're slated it's for two really more seasons. But... ramping up to some serious shit, dude. It's taking some dark turns, man. This season was phenomenal, I think. Um, phenomenal. I really like uh, this season. Homelander really became unhinged. He did a really good job with that character. He got weak, and then he got powerful and we're not talking like his superpowers we're talking mental january 6th kind of we're talking when, you, when, you, when, when he mentally. like does a power move on giancarlo esposito that's the kind of power we're talking about. i'm talking about him just lasering a dude's face off in broad daylight at one of his own rallies so a you, liberal guy that like is you can tell that i is fell protesting out of the show him. because like all of this sounds like homelander where i left him <laughs> you know, where you left him he would laser an entire rally of people 
in his imagination. Fine. But he wouldn't no, fucking where do I it. Left but he, him, he like let an airplane crash with a bunch of people. No, that was not but because he didn't give a shit. That was because he realized he couldn't stop it because he didn't know what he was fucking doing. No, he just didn't care about stopping no, it. No, he was there to stop it. And then when he realized that he couldn't, it was about running away. Huh. I read it as like, I don't give a fuck. I don't know. I, I don't care I mean, anyway. No, no. This, this is not important. You guys should talk about this. He doesn't care season. about their lives, but he cares about he cares about the optics of it. He yes. cares about how he's seen. That's why they were able to control him with a video from the flight. Because the deep went down and found the wreckage of the plane and recovered a video camera that somebody had been holding on the plane that Maeve knew about. And so then they were using this as evidence. Well, early on in this season, he's figured out his supporters kind of want him to do this shit. They want him to be aggressive and violent and like not give a shit. And so the first thing that happens is Stormfront is still alive, but she's like missing all of her limbs and an eye is like half melted off and she's not really healing all the way. And he's just like using her and she still believes in him because she thinks he's like this Aryan ideal. And he's just like, at one point he just tells her like, I don't give a shit about any of that Nazi shit. I'm better than the, than all of that. You know, I'm superior to all of that. Like your fourth Reich nonsense. I, I shove it up your ass basically. And so then she like bites her own tongue off and like kills herself basically. And it's his birthday. And every year on his birthday, he does this televised thing where he like saves a jumper. And while he's there to save the jumper, like just kind of slowly napping, big screen on the building nearby comes on and it's like, Stormfront just killed herself, bit her tongue and, and bled to death. And she's just like, uh, actually, I changed my mind. I don't want to die anymore. And he's just like, fucking jump. And so she jumps and dies. And then he gives this speech where he's like, I'm the strongest and I shouldn't have to f- be victimized for being strong and very it's- much parroting real life right wing talking Trumpisms and whatnot. Yeah, we're- and, uh, and his numbers go up, you know, which emboldens him and oh, he just starts to like become more empowered in this new light. Of like, oh, my supporters actually want me to be this guy. And so he ends up basically doubling down. And And then he gets his son back. He finds out Soldier Boy, who, meanwhile, the boys are like trying to find something that can kill Homelander. And the first thing they do is find Soldier Boy, who's played by Jensen Ackles, who's one of the uh, Supernatural boys, which reunites him with Eric Kripke, who was the showrunner for Supernatural. Supernatural. And he's like a Captain America analog, but he's also, of course, complete total douchebag to the point where... Where when Vought decided it was time to replace him because he was more of a liability than he was an asset, they got his own team to betray him in like Venezuela on some op. And they gave him to the Russians who just like experimented on him and kept him under for 40 years. So they go to Russia, they get him out. And now he's like going to kill his former team, having PTSD the whole way, blacking out his power burns V out of your system. If he does this explosion thing, you lose your powers. And that's what they're trying to use on Homelander. Doesn't work. Turns out Soldier Boy's Homelander's father, biologically, they just like made him jerk off into a cup, basically, and made a baby. That's Homelander. So then Homelander goes and gets his son that he got from the earlier seasons, you know, and reunites with him and uh, is like, hey, let's all three of us be a family, you know, and Soldier Boy rejects him and they fight and then Soldier Boy's going to explode and there's going to be a bunch of collateral damage. So Maeve like jumps in and knocks him out of the building. So he blows up in the sky away from everybody. 
and she loses her powers in the process. So now Maeve is like out of the fight. No power. She's out. And Soldier Boy is back under, but now Vought has him in suspended animation, basically. And Homelander, it's got the boy, Ryan, I think is his name. Butcher and Homelander are sort of fighting over the soul of Ryan. Homelander's fucking winning. Because at the end of the finale, when Homelander lasers that liberal dude's face off, the crowd like is silent for a second. And then they just start cheering. And the guy that starts the cheer incidentally is the new stepfather of mother's milk's kid he's a total homelander fanboy which is like a whole other dynamic that leading into the next season but the kid gets this fucking creepy ass smile just kind of like slowly barely grow onto his face of like he's gonna maybe be more like his dad than we want him to be <laughs> and then there's a whole other thing with there's temporary v but it doesn't take many doses to kill you huey takes a few and he gets teleport ability which is pretty sweet but when he teleports he it's clothes just don't himself. go with <laughs> And so at one point he like teleports him and Starlight out of harm's way and they wind up in the middle of the street and they're both naked. And she's like, what the fuck? It's like, I had to protect you. Blah, blah, blah. Turns out he was just a toxic dude the whole time. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They all are. Yeah. And uh, at one point there's an episode that's really interesting where um, there's a mind control guy that will like put you into your worst nightmare until you starve to death. And uh, he does it to Butcher. So a big episode is a lot of Butcher backstory. And uh, then at the end butcher's taken too much temp v and now he's got like what 16 months to live 18 months yeah so that's why another reason why i'm like this show can't go on that much longer it's escalated with homelander to a point where the world's about to go light on fire and then we've been given an 11 month or whatever i feel like seth rogan's shows to tend to go like three to five seasons right so i feel like he kind of plans four three Future Man was three, Preacher was five, and it was a tight five. Like, they probably could have done six, but they compressed season five. They, like, dragged out seasons one and two, but then season five was, like, super. Yeah, I feel like he probably doesn't want to produce certain things forever. He probably wants to move on yeah. to the next thing, so. Freaks and Geeks was only one season. Yeah, but he didn't produce <laughs> that. He was, he was just a teenager. <laughs> he was just a kid. Yeah, we should move on. So, being it's summertime, I made a list of some of my favorite summer vacation movies. Movies. And we're going to figure out which one's the best one here. Okay. Is this like a bracket? What are we doing? This is here? a bracket here. Okay. You hear brackets. <laughs> so these are movies that take place usually like on somebody's vacation. Just to be warned, there are quite a few National Lampoon movies. <laughs> okay. Of course there are. Probably not Christmas vacation. Not Christmas vacation because it well, had to be a summer all movie. All the other ones, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all the other ones are on here. What's the spinoff with Randy Quaid? Didn't he have a couple? I don't know. Oh, are those on the list? No. Okay. Thank God, because those ones I didn't see. <laughs> All right, we're going to start off between Jaws and Vegas Vacation. Oh, Jaws, dude. Vegas Vacation sucks. Yeah. Uh, now I'm going to go Vegas Vacation. Of course you are, Carl. It's uh, <laughs> the only vacation movie I li- ever really liked. <laughs> I and, support what you're doing, it's but more not how a, you're doing and it. It's, <laughs> it's more of a vacation movie than Jaws is. We're talking best vacation movie. Vegas Vacation. Vacation at least kind of makes me want to check out but Vegas. Jaws does not make me want to go to the beach. I would actually say Jaws might be an anti-vacation movie. I don't like getting in the water. I like sitting on the beach and Jaws is right there telling me, you're doing it right. You're staying <laughs> on the beach and you're staying out of the water. Don't, yeah, don't, don't, even, my whole don't, even, go, don't even 
go in the pond uh, or the lagoon. Yeah. Why would you even want to be next to the beach? Next thing you know, a Sharknado will come up that out of the exciting, ocean dude. onto the beach. <laughs> Different movie. Jawsnado. Oh, whatever. Call it whatever you want. It's a Jawsnado. It's a Sharknado. I think it's Sharknado. Well, I'm pretty sure. There's like five of them. In the jaws averse, it's a Jawsnado. <laughs> next up, we got National <laughs> Jaws 4 versus Vacation. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have National Lampoon's Vacation. This is the first one. Yes. Where do they go for that one? The Grand Canyon? A lot of Wally places. World. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, but the Grand Canyon is one of the stops along the way. Okay. Versus Summer Rental. I've never, I don't know Summer Rental. I know that? Summer Rental pretty well, but it's vacation, dude. Come on. What are we doing here? It's <laughs> yeah. vacation. Who's in Summer Rental? John, John Candy. Candy. And nobody else. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That was one of those ones that played on USA a million times. And John Candy's all right, but like, would you rather John Candy get shot in a in the ass of the BB gun for like 30 seconds, or would you rather an entire movie around now John you're Candy? Get, you're getting the great outdoors confused with summer rental. What do you mean? No, Clark shoots him in the ass with a BB gun at Wally World. Oh, I thought you were talking about. No, I hate shot. the great outdoors. When it comes up, I don't care what it's against. <laughs> I'm voting against it and I will lose because I'm the only person on the planet that hates that movie. I don't know what that is. <laughs> It's a Dan Aykroyd, John Candy movie. Okay. And it's on this list, I assure you. <laughs> Almost Famous or Wet Hot American Summer? <laughs> That's a hard one. That's like the heart and the mind there. or Well, not really the mind so much as like... The funny Bone? Yeah, The Funny Bone. I I, uh, I like them both, but I'm going to... do too. I'm going to go... Uh, you should have like put these in different... These should have gone up against each other in the finals. <laughs> yeah, Why are we is, doing a finals? bullshit. <laughs> this is like when you go to a magic tournament with your best friend and you both get matched up in round one and like you're it's like, oh great, one of us is gonna lose round one. <laughs> we came later, here buddy. together. We wanted to meet up at the end. Uh I'm gonna go Wet Hot American Summer just because there's so many people in that that I love. I am going to agree just because I love them both, but if I'm being honest, I've watched Wet Hot American Summer no less than twenty times. And I've probably seen almost famous maybe like five or six. Yeah. So yeah. It definitely wins on rewatchability. Yeah. And amazing series spun out of it, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Paul Rudd just being awesome. <laughs> There's so many And Christopher Maloney being awesome. And Amy Poehler being awesome. I and... love that he's the villain in the movie. And then he's they set him up like the hero in the show. You know what I mean? Like, he's like the dick that the good guy has to overcome to get the girl in the movie. And then in the show, there's a bigger dick than Paul Rudd. And Paul Rudd's got to overcome him to get the girl <laughs> so that later in the movie, <laughs> Michael Walter can overcome him. I love it, dude. <laughs> it's just... Yeah. It's genius. All right. We got Stand By Me versus National Lampoon's European Vacation. This is tough because younger Alex is like, there was boobs in European Vacation. But if I'm being honest, it's not a great movie. Stand By Me, I enjoy. So I'm going to go Stand By Me. Yeah, Stand By Me. I'm just thinking about uh, what's the his boobs name? in European Vacation. No, I was thinking about the. Uh, <laughs> Those church bells haven't rung in years. In They're going to hang somebody. Is Euro Trip on this? No. So it's, it's not. not a complete list. No. <laughs> I actually thought Eurotrip was a pretty solid movie. Is Road Trip on here? No. Oh, that's that take, spring yeah. break. That, that take place during school time. Spring break. But this is summer oh, movies. Oh, summer vacation. Spring break's not summer vacation. Yeah, that vacation. take place in springtime, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> it's a week. It's the week off before summer. <laughs> 
All right. We have What About Bob or Vacation. And that's the remake? That's the the newest. I'm going with the, the newest Vacation. I really enjoyed that. Christina Applegate is a treasure. And What About Bob was all right. But even when I walked out of the theater, I remember being like, I don't see what everybody saw in this movie like i thought it was okay maybe it's just that richard dreyfus really really annoys me in that movie in a way he does not in jaws <laughs> you know my richard dreyfus like the the role that is like cemented for me as richard dreyfus is his, is mr holland's opus yeah me too so this is so actually he's gonna be banging young what children. about bob <laughs> is actually closer to what i picture as the archetypical richard dreyfus role See, I don't like that Richard Dreyfus though. Like the thing I always remember in Mr. Holland's opus is what a dick he's being to his kid because his kid is deaf. Like this kid can't help that, but he's a band teacher, so he's got to be all distant with him. Fuck Mr. Holland. Then dude. eventually he. I writes, mean, I like the movie. Then eventually but it's he writes an entire symphony for his son. Right, which his son can't hear. Once well, again, but, fuck you, Mr. Holland. No, because there's elements and your opus you wrote <laughs> there, in on. He can feel it, and there's elements of it that are visual to be inclusive for his son's sake. But 20 minutes earlier, he was trying to bang a high school student and then decided at the last second, maybe I shouldn't do this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not a perfect movie. Not just banger. He was thinking about like running off to New York with her, dude. Foolish. He sucks. Mr. (laughs) Holland sucks, dude. (laughs) Yeah, probably. (laughs) I don't remember what... What about, yeah, I don't want what about Bob. So he's an asshole and what <laughs> about vacation. Bob too? Because he's like, I just want to be peaceful, peace and quiet. But he also is like probably not all that great to his family. Bob teaches him stuff. I don't think Dreyfus learns anything in what about Bob. No. If yeah, anything, he he's gets, unraveling. In he that learns movie. patience. No, he doesn't. He goes no, he into a coma because he's worse. so like upset. Then he's the villain and he loses. He is the villain in that movie. Yeah, totally. Bob's not the villain. Bob like in inserts himself into his life. I think to Richard Dreyfus, Bob is the villain, but Richard Dreyfus is truly the villain in that movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because like the whole family loves and he, him. Mm-hmm. See, I would say Dreyfus is the protagonist of that movie, but he's yes. also the villain. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to go with What About Bob just because the conversation you'll have about the movie afterwards is going to be way more interesting talking about What About Bob than, well, that was a perfectly serviceable remake of an older movie that I didn't really care about. Because that's where I'm coming from with it. So yeah, that's why I think I'm where you're coming from is not accurate, but you are right that it's a more interesting conversation. And yet I'm still going to go vacation because Chris Hemsworth is so fucking funny in that movie. Uh, so and I'm going to have to do the tiebreaker on this a major one. role or is it a bit part? It is like the whole movie. a he's secondary got, character. He's got like 20 minutes in it probably. Okay, that's acceptable. So I'm going to give the tiebreaker here and I'm going to go with Vacation for Chris Hemsworth's dick. Yeah, it's amazing, <laughs> dude. Like the guy who was directing it, they went to give him this dildo that was like 10 inches long and it wasn't big enough for Chris Hemsworth frame for what they were, because they're trying to read it as huge. So they had to get like a 16 inch one that was just like super thick and it goes all the way down like right where it stops on the thing. And it's so fucking funny. I don't, oh God, that movie is funny. He's playing like a red meat conservative and he's fucking killing it. 
Okay. He's really good in it. And Christina Applegate, more to the point, who is in the entire movie, is really, really funny. I am a fan f- of hers. And I feel like she doesn't get enough credit for being one of our darlings with comedy. Like, I think she's like a top five person and doesn't get identified as Well, that. she's definitely like elevated herself beyond where she started, which was walk into the room in a hot outfit and everybody cheers for it. Yes. And she definitely had moments on Married with Children where she was doing stuff, but that was not really her role there. But like since then with Anchorman and uh, what's the one she Dude, did? Dude, she's in a ton of shitty comedies where she's amazing in it. Like the yeah. sure thing, well, like but I stuff was, like that. And then there's that one dead dead uh, sweetest thing sorry dead to me yeah the one she does with uh which she doesn't really do a comedic thing in that although but i've it heard is she's kind of really good in it. she's really good yeah, in it. yeah yeah that's what i'm saying. linda cardinelli gets some jokes christina applegate doesn't really get jokes she's just always angry <laughs> i'm okay with that so caddyshack versus the great outdoors caddyshack <laughs> we already went through why i'm not sure caddyshack should count as a summer movie it's just a golf movie isn't it is it a vacation movie summer vacation yeah who's going yeah. on vacation in caddyshack dude yeah looks like uh great outdoors makes it to the next bracket by default maybe we'll have to slot in jaws four there <laughs> No, I think, actually, I think, I think. Jaws 4, they go to the Caribbean. It even meets your standards, dude. Due to these circumstances, due to these circumstances, uh, I think we're all obligated to vote for the great outdoors. No, I'm not voting for the great outdoors. I'm still voting. put that down on the record. I'm still voting for the one with the asterisks. We'll we'll put that down for the record. (laughs) For the record, Alex, positive vote for great outdoors in this bracket. I am not okay with this. Too bad. <laughs> Moving on. Next bracket. So technical. Hold on, hold on. I just got to get on Twitter for a second to talk to my followers. Hold you on. You don't. Have... I will be marching to Carl's house. <laughs> I will lead you on the way. All right, let's continue. We'll stand back and stand by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Meatballs or oh. Weekend at Bernie's. Hold on. Were you suggesting Shawshank Redemption take its <laughs> as a, as a, <laughs> Is that not a summer vacation? It's movie? kind of a permanent vacation, right? <laughs> <laughs> but he ends up going to Mexico. I can't end. think of a single moment in that movie where it's like snowing or <laughs> it's always summertime. It's always sunny in Shawshank. <laughs> it totally snows in one of the scenes. Does it? Yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember that, but I, I believe you. I just don't remember. All right. So what, what, what are so, we doing? So we got meatballs versus weekend at Bernie's. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> So the two people who are taking their boss who died and pretending like he's still alive so that they can use his shit or (laughs) the guy who's like befriending kids because he's such a loser and I don't know what he's doing with those kids, but it's not okay. (laughs) Which do we find more abhorrent, Carl? I find meatballs more abhorrent. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Plus, that dude was alive the whole time, playing a dead body. Like that's <laughs> just that was impressive acting. acting. Yeah, <laughs> the way he let them like puppet him around and like just—I mean, the glasses I'm sure help, but he like never wrinkles his nose in this shot. You know what's weirdly even better is Weekend at Bernie's too, because <laughs> Bernie is dancing to Caribbean music, and that <laughs> actor can somehow look like he's dancing but still be dead and pull it he off. Definitely like, like- Actually, weirdly impressive. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I would totally agree. I think with that. Terry Kaiser is the guy's name, right? The actor. Dirty Dancing versus Friday the 
13th. Oh, Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing. Yeah, nobody puts baby in a corner. Not even <laughs> I Jason Voorhees. I love that movie. The yeah. problem is, is when you put, if you try and put baby in a corner, Jason Voorhees is going to teleport there and put a machete through her. So. Yeah, leave baby alone. Yeah, exactly. Just look at her. Actually, look at Patrick Swayze, I guess, and tell him when I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. I guess that serves as an apology. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's all our movies. Wait, did we get to the finals? That's the end of round one. All right, let's go to round two here. So we'll start off with Jaws versus Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing. (sighs) I'm going to go Jaws. It's kind of a perfect movie. I really like Dirty Dancing, though. I'm not mad if Dirty Dancing moves on, but I love Jaws. And I love the suit that the mayor wears as he's got flop sweat and he's trying to get everybody (laughs) to like go out onto the beach when he knows there's a fucking shark (laughs) out there. You know, it's interesting. Both those movies have a relevant um, plot line in them to today's world like Let's say dirty dancing a little more <laughs> so no the mayor like opening the town like even though like he that's knows a, that he shouldn't but he has to for economic reasons oh right that it, is that's yeah. a good point yeah the, like the shark is representative of capitalism and jaws for sure all right we'll stay on the same side of the bracket are we going jaws then or are we going dirty dancing you didn't actually say you're the tiebreaker i voted dirty dancing he voted jaws i put jaws down okay, okay. i wow. really like jaws so Josh probably going to win this whole thing, even though. So now we've got vacation versus wet, hot American summer. Wet, hot. Yeah. Vacation is problematic. It's just as simple as that. I watch Vacation now, and it's problematic. Because so. everybody on well, this is va- this hot. is the newest one. This is the oh. Christina Applegate. Okay, that's not problematic, but I'm still gonna go <laughs> Wet Hot American Summer. It's a classic. The way that the new Vacation is not. It's good. It's the way that the new Vacation, like by its very essence, cannot be. Yes, because it's a remake. Because it's a part five. It's more of a part right, five right. than a remake. I mean, but still, like Clark, Clark, still. and like the parents are even in it in part of it so is ed helms ed helms is the fifth rusty (laughs) (laughs) like they continued the tradition of recasting rusty and audrey in every movie he might be i liked it when it wait wasn't it no no it's anthony michael hall what was it Sean William Scott one year in the in the Vegas vacation? Who were the? No, that was uh, the guy from The Big Bang Theory. Okay, for Rusty's, the only one I remember is Ed Helms in the newest one, and uh, um, Anthony Michael Hall in the first one. And for Audrey's, the only one I remember is Juliet Lewis in Christmas Vacation, and it's uh, what's her face who's married to Judd Apatow in Vacation. Oh, uh, and she's in This Is Forty. Yeah, what is her name? And I I normally know it because. I really like her, but yeah. Well, in Vegas Vacation, Audrey is Marisol Nichols and Rusty is Ethan Embry. All right. So we oh, can yeah. go. Ethan Embry was Mark in Empire Records. That's why he's my, that's why Vegas Vacation is my favorite uh, Vegas Vacation. Because Ethan Embry is Mark more. from Empire <laughs> Records and I like Empire Records. I thought I couldn't hate it more. I was mistaken. <laughs> Empire Records is good. All right. So National Lampoon's Vacation or Weekend at Bernie's? <sighs> well, they're both problematic. So I'm going to go <laughs> Vacation. <laughs> I'm going to go Weekend at Bernie's because I've soured on Chevy Chase over the years. Oh, I have too. But uh, I haven't soured on any of the <laughs> actors from. Wait, I like Jonathan Silverman still, right? Yeah. I don't know. I haven't yeah. seen him in a and thing is, in like 25 years. Is, <laughs> is Anth- who's the other kid? 
Is it Anthony Michael Hall? No, no, it's the douchey one from Mannequin. Yeah. Andrew McCarthy. Yeah, Andrew McCarthy. Thank you. All of his <laughs> movies are problematic. Every last one, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big fan of that guy, but I do like Jonathan Silverman for some reason. Because he's always a beta in every movie he is, so you can't hate I him. I mean, Terry you know? Kaiser, that's the name of the... Uh, Bernie. That's Bernie. Yeah. He uh, He was on he, the Tracy he, I'm gonna keep, show. I want to keep him going. I want to keep him going. Fuck Clark Clareswald. So what wins, Brandon? So I'm going to go with National Lampoon's Vacation. There's so much that I fucking think is hilarious in that movie when the dog pees on the sandwiches. I know how to French kiss. And Audrey's like, so what? Everybody knows that. And she goes, yeah, but daddy says I'm the best. <laughs> And then she's also stirring up the Kool-Aid with her whole fist. And Chevy Chase is like, will you let me stir the Kool-Aid now? And like grabs it from her. So Stand By Me or The Great Outdoors? Stand By Me. Yeah. Yeah. That's unanimous. Great Outdoors is overrated. Jaws or Wet Hot American Summer? Wet Hot. I'm actually going to go Wet Hot American Summer. I think Jaws is a better movie. I just really, really love Wet Hot American Summer. Better you- vacation movie. Yeah. I mean, I will agree with that as well. Not that the kids are choosing to go on vacation. They're kind of being shunted there by their parents. (laughs) Going to camp is a very valid summer vacation thing to do. Yeah, but it's it's a summer vacation for the parents, not for the kids. Whether you're there by choice or not, it's still a valid exploration of summer vacation. Right. You know what's not on this list? Like any coming-of-age movies. There's like a million of those where it's like, I have to go to grandma's house and meet this hot neighbor girl. Like how many of those movies are there? It's an incomplete list we know yeah. we figured that out pretty fast <laughs> so national lampoon's vacation or stand by me stand by me i'm gonna go stand by me give me the body that's the stephen king story mm-hmm. and you got your young actors that are, half of which all died young River i think Phoenix. just one right? just River, River phoenix, phoenix yeah. yeah where Corey feldman could have been older or Corey i mean he's Haim, still alive I mean, Corey Haim's not in or N- wait Feldman is in it. Haim died yeah. before he could be in it. But Feldman is still alive, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> he's, well, he's just really obnoxious. I Have you spent any time with Corey Feldman in the last, like, 20 years? Yeah, he hung out at my apartment just, like, three weeks ago. That's Did why he... we were doing drugs. That's why. I didn't <laughs> yeah, so you're just like, it. well, he's got really good <coughs> drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just, like, always porn stars with hanging out with him. <laughs> oh dude richard dreyfus is in that movie how many movies is richard dreyfus in of this we did not realize that like brandon closeted richard <laughs> dreyfus clearly fan. clearly richard dreyfus has a thing for doing movies where he can just wear flip-flops and like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hawaiian shirts and just be drinking a drink all the time yeah, I he didn't realize in... he would. Ha- he had a type of movie, and we actually Conspiracy. have figured it out. Dude, isn't he in that fucking awful movie where he pretends like he's got the tribe in Africa in his backyard? And the that's Kippendorf's yeah. tribe? Is that yeah, the name of something it? like that. Yeah. And it's another I've one never where never saw that, but... I watched it a bunch of times. He's hanging out in the sun with tents and stuff. Like, Dreyfus just likes to, to go camping. Like, that's all <laughs> that it is. So, Wet Hot American Summer or Stand By Me? Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah. Not even close. Agreed. 
So we found out the best summer movie, summer vacation movie, is Wet Hot American Summer. In an incomplete list. of what of the yeah. of sixteen movies of sixteen randomly <laughs> chosen, uh, one of which wasn't even a summer movie, and one of which <laughs> was debatably not as well. <laughs> like I feel like Jaws did not belong on that list either. No, I mean it is a summer vacation movie because everybody's movie. going there for vacation. Oh. Like yeah. It okay. is. Well, it is. It's yeah. And it I takes mean, place if, over the and Fourth of July. And you put Friday the Thirteenth on there, and you didn't put what's the one with the <laughs> kid that reveals that he's a guy uh, has a little penis at the end. Sleepaway oh yeah, camp. yeah. Sleepaway, Sleepaway camp. camp. Dude. There's like, I mean, I mean, we could have gone do hard. Of, we could have uh, done sixteen just. We horror didn't need European movies. vacation on this. We should have had Sleepaway camp <laughs> on that list. Well, and and I think Euro Trip <laughs> belongs on the list because it's like. A pr- it's a not summer vacation, summer tri- Carl. No Euro trip. <laughs> Euro trip is summer vacation. Oh, okay. Euro tri- they go to Europe. I don't know. You don't I go to Europe for spring break with like your three best friends for several weeks. They're gone. They like travel. The diff- they spend like a week in six different places. By the they way, they go to the Vatican. Uh, let me ask you guys. They an announced honest question. the Pope is dead. I've been thinking about this more and more when I watch movies like that. Does it ever like piss you off that like, you're essentially watching rich kids and all this stuff? Because yeah. like I was watching The Long Dumb Road with Jason Manzukis. And what I really liked about it was that like they address up in the thing, like his dad's supposedly uh upper middle class, like the the kid who he's paired with on the trip, and he keeps calling his parents rich all the time. But I'm like, yeah, that's like the unspoken thing in all of these kinds of movies, is like there's no real consequences for the kids. The fact that they're on that trip in the first place means they're fucking loaded. No teenager can save up their money like that to where you can just go to fucking Europe and backpack around. This is in the seventies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it hasn't been that way for a long ass time. You have to save up forever to do that shit. In other words, you have to be a rich kid because us in the real world, man, we didn't have that kind of money in our now, 20s. Out of all the like the list that we just went through, I think like more real to my like childhood years would probably stand by me. As a kid, we'd be like, we'd go down to the river, do shit like that. Fish out a dead body. I'm okay with the fact that Scotty and Euro trips a rich kid because Scotty doesn't know. <laughs> and that's a song that's sung by <laughs> Matt Damon. Okay. And it's catchy as hell. Oh. It's like got vibes of like J- Jesse's mom, or was it? Stacy's mom. Stacy's mom's got it going on. It's very similar vibes to that song. Or I wish that I had Jesse's girl. Also similar vibes. So please check out our Patreon page. We've got, I think, three original episodes at this point and a bunch of content that's not available and other sorts. Of, so check it out. And next week. For sure, we're going to talk about the bear because we just did not have time to get into it this True week. Enough. And we're going to talk about the black phone a little bit next week as well. So take it easy. Please rate and review our show. Sign up for an Anchor account. You can leave voice messages through a link in the description of the podcast or you can answer our poll questions. Reach out to us through Instagram at redwood underscore sound underscore labs or Facebook at facebook.com slash redwood sound labs. Email us at notsafernetwork at gmail.com. Not Safer Network was created and hosted by Carl Borneman, Brandon Beardsley, and Alex Small. Produced by Aaron Donaldson and Alex Small. Zach and Matt are two veteran horror movie enthusiasts discussing their favorite and not-so-favorite horror films. Scary movie fans beware, or... 
listen to watch no evil news reviews and deep dives of the television series and film franchises you love take a tour of the popular media world with biggs and brandon on not safe for network charles is a purple heart recipient and cinematographer aaron is a professor and critical cultural scholar together they explore the narrative affective and production politics of war cinema on the real war project that's r-e-e-l war project you can find all of these shows wherever you find your podcasts you can find all of these shows on redwood sound labs